Embracing the Journey, a program focused on the freedom that comes from being able to talk about death. I'm Lori Burkhart Frank. Today we are talking about The Altar Show, a tradition of creating beautiful altars to honor beloved people who have passed on. My guest is Meg Hughes, a third generation Grass Valley native who has continued The Altar Show. Her mother started in 1997. Welcome, Meg. Hi, how are you? I'm great. And it's so great to have you here on this program. And I know that the altar show has been around for a long time, but what is it? There might be a lot of people listening that have no idea what we're talking about right now. So the altar show is taken from the tradition of Day of the Dead. And people from the community come in and make altars or which are art installations um, about many things. Um, a lot of them are about people who have passed and they want to remember their loved ones. And it's a way of celebrating that person and part of the grieving process that goes along with losing someone. And when does it usually take place? It usually is around the time of the Day of the Dead, which is October 31st through November 2nd. And it usually starts um, a week before that and lasts a week after. It runs two weekends and a full week. The altar show is focused on the death of those that we love. Uh, what draws you into being part of this? So for me, it started, my mother was part of an altar show in um, Sacramento area. And uh, after doing that for a year, she, two years actually, she decided that we really needed something like that here in Nevada County. And so she rushed home and got the space and started um, calling other friends to see who was interested. And of course I was drawn in and did my first altar to my father who had passed. Um, I did it with my brothers and my mother. And it was an amazing experience for me to celebrate his life and in the process learn so much more about him um, and learn my brother's points of view on him, what their relationship was like with them as we built the altar for him. So when you say altar, I came from a, a religious point of view that the first time I heard about the show, the image I had in my mind of what it was was completely different than the actual art pieces that I saw. So could you describe how big an altar is and what might go into an altar? So um, the altar can be any size. We at the altar show have them from many altars as we refer to them, which are maybe, you know, a foot by foot uh, sitting on a tabletop, clear up to an eight by eight foot space that they can use for their altar. And it's usually a platform has some base and then on the altar is offerings of different things. There's some very traditional things that can go on a traditional altar um, such as marigolds, um, their favorite food, um, candles, um, 
photos and possessions. So those are put on as a way of telling who the person was and honoring them. And some of them are very elaborate and some of them are very simple. I really loved what you were saying about that you and your brothers and your mother came together on building an altar to honor your father and how that illuminated your different relationships. So is that something that a lot of the folks that build altars find is that they have some healing or new insights? Yeah, it's amazing. My favorite part of the show for me actually is the setup. We have three days of setup where people arrive with their carloads, boxes of stuff. And they, some of them have set it up totally at home before, so they know what they're doing. But everyone comes in and starts setting up, and there's a lot of talking going on amongst the altaristas and also amongst family members. A lot of them are done with families, um, a lot of tears, a lot of laughter. Um, you know, it is a grieving time, but it's also such a celebration. So we hear a lot of mixed emotions, both during setup and from people coming to visit. It does sound healing. And do you find that people continue to set up altars every year or are you drawing from new people all the time? We seem to have a mixture every year. There are a group that come, we've expanded on our show. So people can come and make altars to anything they want to remember um, or, you know, honor. So there's a mixture. Some people come every year and make altars because they're drawn to the show. The healing, the, it's, a, it's an amazing community. Um, and we have people that come in and build it one year. They have lost someone in the past, whether it's recent or, you know, many years in the past. And the time is right for them to really think about it and to put it out to the public. This is my beloved, this is, you know, their story. So I heard you use the term altaristas. Yes. <laughs> so that's a great term. What does that mean? That are the, the people that come and make the altars and they are referred to as altaristas. I like and that. We have a lot of community building at, during the show. Um, we have a potluck dinner we do. We have our um, opening and closing ceremonies that are for the altaristas and their family, um, where we, you know, really honor each altar and talk about it, and people get to talk about their loved ones and stuff. Well, you met, mentioned that your mother started this after being in participating in Sacramento, um, and then your father had passed. Do you think that inspired her that your father passed? That she was looking for a way to express her sorrow. Um, no, I think she was a local artist, local artist and teacher. I think the main draw at the beginning was a, another way to show her art, um, using her artistic abilities was, I think, the first draw. And actually, her first altar was after the um, Tronner fire. And she did an altar to losing her land and what that felt like. So that was her first altar for her grief of that and then the honoring of the land. Same thought process. Well, and you mentioned that she was an artist. Do you have to be an artist to, to participate? 
No, not by any means. And we have all ages that participate from relatively young children to very elderly people. Um, and absolutely, you don't have to be an artist. It's more a matter of putting your feelings out for whatever it is you're building your altar about. And I think people build altars at their homes all the time without even knowing it, where they have grandma's favorite teacup next to a picture of her with a base of flowers. And, you know, that can change periodically. Um, men make altars in their shops and garages without knowing it by they have their relatives favorite tools and you know they just that's a place of honoring them and thinking about that person that passed and their memories and stories that is a beautiful thought you are listening to the embracing the journey on kbmr I'm Lori Burkhart Frank and my guest is Meg Hughes a third generation Grass Valley native who has continued the altar show her mother started in 1997. I love that you're saying that we're, we're doing it either consciously or unconsciously when we have someone important to us pass. And I love the idea that men are doing it in their shops with their tools. And that makes a lot of sense to me. Uh-huh. Yeah. So, you, and you talked about who participated in the altar show, that there are people of all ages, uh, genders. Is it a local show? Do people come from out of the area? Um, we have a few altaristas who sometimes come from out of the area because they have nowhere close to do something like this. Uh, most of them are local that participate. We have visitors that come from all over and some that come every single show from all over um, to see the show. It's an amazing show that we, there's no place else like it. There's nothing to compare. And we have, you know, church groups, um, hospice, all kinds of groups that do it. Um, it's a huge variety of people that participate and visit. And that makes each of the altars totally different. Well, and you mentioned that, um, of course, your mother started this and, and you've continued this and it has been at the fairgrounds. Is that correct? Yes. And so do you do this on your own, Meg, or do you have a team of people? We have a board that um, of about five of us that are the main people that put on the show. And then we have friends of the altar show that um, help us with that. Every year that we put it on, it's, oh, can we do this again? How are we going to afford it? Um, we're nonprofit. We do not charge for anyone to be um, visit the show, which is very important to us that our doors are open to everyone. Um, we have a fee for entering the show, for being part of it, but we have never turned anyone away from for finances. Um, and we like it being out at the fairgrounds because it has such a history of its own that it's a nice place to, you know, have the show. Well, I have been there just once, but now I'm going to make it in an annual event because it is such a heartwarming environment. Yeah, I, it's interesting for me to have never been to the show to walk in as a visitor because I know everything that's gone into doing it. And that's one of my things I would, I would love to be able to just 
walk through the doors as a visitor and see it as other people see it. One of the things that we strive to do on the show is to talk about death in an open way that helps all of us to live more fulfilling lives. And as I'm talking to you, it just seems like that is the essence of what I'm hearing in the altar show. It is. And it's, um, you know, we have altars sometimes that are made to babies that have passed and very hard for that family to come and put this out there. But I think they all walk away a little bit healed. Um, a chance to have other people, you know, people stop and say, can you tell me about your altar and look at your darling little girl or little boy or, you know, whatever. Um, so I do think it opens the process for, you know, death and talking about death. We do tours with our schools and we have our local school kids go through and um, we were very nervous about it to bring these, you know, school age kids through and explain what they were about and stuff. And the kids are amazing that they can accept and they love it. And they'll stand, you know, little nine, 10 year old kids will stand at these altars and ask questions and be okay with the fact that this, this person has died and that we are celebrating their their journey. And it is a journey. I work as a birth doula also. Um, and to me, the altar show is just the other end of that journey. You know, as I watch the babies come into the world and then am part of watching the families celebrate these loved ones. Well, that's amazing. I had no idea that the schools were involved and that the kids came. And how long has that been going on? Is that, did that start at the beginning? That did start at the very beginning. Um, earliest um, years were mostly high school kids and Sierra College kids, but very quickly we opened it up. I think our youngest has been like a third grade class that comes through. And um, we always open early for the school age kids so that they can come and see it as they need to see it. Um, and usually they'll do a quick walkthrough and then you find them going back to those altars that really attract them for whatever reason that may be. And are you mentioning that people have questions? Are the altaristas there uh, near their altar at all times? No, they, we have a um, reception where the altaristas are there on one day. Um, we also have a place where you can leave a note to an altarista if you have a question that you want you know, to be answered. Um, but a lot of times the altaristas work as the docents, the people that are there at the show. So a lot of times there are altaristas and we also have a program that tells about each altar. Well, that is just so special and so sacred and also so affirming. I like the yes. word you're using celebrate a lot. Yeah, it is. It's a celebration of these people. And even as people are standing around, either the visitors or the altaristas crying, there is still, it's, a, it's still a celebration of I'm honoring this person and I love them and they were important to me. So how influenced uh, is the altar show by the Day of the Dead? Um, it's, it definitely is influenced in that we are honoring 
those that have passed. I think with us that we have expanded on that. Day of the Dead is all about the passing of someone and building altars for them, where we have expanded to making altars for anything that is important to you and you want to honor. And we've had school-age kids make them to special toy things, um, a lot to animals that have passed, and a lot to the environment and nature. Um, but it is definitely, it comes from the um, Day of the Dead um, celebration, the Spanish Latin American holiday. Yeah, and I, have, I read a little bit ahead of time about the Day of the Dead and how families will go to the graveyards and bring the favorite food of the, those that, that have passed on and tell stories and laugh and enjoy the memory of their loved one. Yeah, it's it's an amazing the whole um, Mexican cultures and how they do it. A lot of times there's parades and it's a huge celebration, much like our Halloween celebration um, in that it's the same time period. Um, but our Halloween has, you know, changed is not about the celebration of, you know. So, Meg, when your mother, um, she passed, when did she pass away? She passed in 2011. Oh, 2011. And yes. so was there ever a sense that the show would not go on? Um, <laughs> yeah, there was. Actually, while she was dying, it had, the altar show was a lot of work to put on. Um, and she, as she was dying, she said, oh. I don't have to do the altar show anymore. And we laughed and I was thinking, oh, that's right. We, we can be done with this. And the next year, of course, it was time for the altar show. Well, I had to make my mother's altar. And it was beautiful. It was fabulous. It was even all the years I've made an altar. And my family's always been involved. My brothers and their families. I have a huge extended family in the area. And we all made this altar together and cried and laughed and so forth. And so the altar show has continued. Um, and I hope it continues for many years. We're always looking for volunteers. We're looking for money. Our, unfortunately, the fairgrounds had to raise our rent tremendously this last year. And then we didn't do it because of COVID. So the doors are open to new ideas and you know, fellow people that want to help. It's, it's an amazing show. My guest is Meg Hughes, third generation Grass Valley native who has continued the altar show since her, her mother started in 1997. And you're listening to Embracing the Journey on KVMR. I'm Lori Burkhart Frank. So how would people find out um, how to, to get in touch with you or to volunteer is there a way to somebody to contact phone number website? Yes, there's a website, thealtershow.org. Um, and it has all of our information. It does need to be updated with COVID. It kind of everything fell to the wayside. Um, but our information is on there, our contact information, and we'll get back to you. You can, there's email and phone numbers. Um, it's 
it's worth looking in. We also have on our website um, archives of pictures from all the shows or many of the shows that give you an idea of what it's really about if you haven't been, um, because it is very hard to picture. We have people that come to the front door and say, what is this? And they peek their head in. And I always say, you know, come in. You can walk through as fast as you want and, or, you know, stay as long as you want. And three hours later, they will come and say, oh, my goodness, I've never seen anything like that. And there's people that don't like it. Too much emotion for them, too much. But they're, they're always touched. There's always something that still touches them about it. Well, and that makes sense because sometimes we have to, to experience our grief in small doses. Yes, we do. And, and I can appreciate that. I, I want to talk a little bit more about how the process. Uh, so somebody listening today might be now thinking, uh, so, so one of the things that, that, that when someone passes, there seems usually in pre-COVID times, there was pretty soon after a service and a thought that you start moving forward. And I love that this actually gives much more space for right. remembrance. And so what are some of the things that uh, people could start now? Because we're so, a year from now. <laughs> right. So I would start by going to our website. All of the information is on there as far as with the pictures. So you get an idea. Um, we have several orientation dates before each show a couple months ahead of time. Um, a lot of times it takes, you know, a couple months to pull an altar together. You put an idea out there and then you change and you get, you know, input from your family members. Um, so we do have the orientation meetings and we talk and answer questions and you, it's held out at the fairgrounds. So you're able to pick the location of you want, where you want your altar and talk about size and stuff. Um, and then we have you show up at setup and there's three days of setup and you come in with your stuff and it's a great time. <laughs> um, and um, yeah, so that's the process of it. And we have found a lot of times people, it'll be up to a year or more before people are ready to make an altar to someone that's passed. Um, We've had a group that came into the fairgrounds during our orientation to just check out the buildings they were in to have a celebration of life service for a loved one and ended up making an altar with us and spent almost the whole altar show at the show with their loved ones. They had relatives that fl flew in to see the show and participate. And they did. They spent hours and hours um, sitting in their altar. A lot of them have chairs to sit and things to read and listen to. Um, so, yeah. And about how many altars, well, what's the range of all, number of altars you've had over the years? Um, we usually have about 50 altars. Um, that includes, we have a community altar, which starts out as a uh, space that is available for people to bring pictures or um, objects to honor a loved one and then they come back at the end of the show. You can leave messages on the community altar. 
um, names and stuff, and it's lit with candles and flowers and so forth. Um, so we have usually 50, 55 altars at the show, ranging in from mini altars to eight foot by eight foot altars. Have you ever had to turn altaristas away because you were too full? We've had a waiting list and it always works out because there's always someone at the last minute that something happens or they can't and we call that the next on the waiting list and they arrive with their stuff. <laughs> so there seems to be some divine process that, that gets the right people at the right time, uh, that Absolutely. opportunity. A lot of amazing things happen. A lot of amazing stories come out of the altar show. Um, yeah, it's, a, it's pretty amazing. Well, I can definitely appreciate how much work is involved in putting together something like this. But as you speak, it, it seems like it must be incredibly rewarding. It is incredibly rewarding. And every year I tell my family, okay, I'm not going to do this insanity this year. And they laugh and they say, yes, you will. <laughs> and I do. So the other board members, have they also been involved as long as you have in this? Yes, many of them have. And once in a while, a new one, we pull someone else in. Um, Lynn Schiffner, who is a local woman here in town, has been a major um, part of our show. Kat Berry, who is local, has been ongoing. Um, David, Charles and David Osborne and Woods were on our board for years. Um, so we've had many local people that have been on for many years. It's hard to get involved and then stop. <laughs> that, well, that, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, are altar shows something that are, you mentioned that there was one in Sacramento. Are they something that are fairly common across the state or the country? I think there are, and more and more as the years go on, I think people are um, learning to celebrate this journey and part the passing is part of that. So that it is becoming more common. Um, I know San Francisco, Sacramento, so do have them, they're around. I think ours is the longest ongoing. That's one pretty, that pretty amazing. And they're always over the same time frame, or the, they're always on the starting on or part of October 30th. Yes. The, the Day of the Dead, which is also All Saints Day, I believe. Yes. Yes, it is. So do you have any favorite books or resources um, or inspiration that, that helps people if they're thinking right now of putting together an altar? I don't off the top of my head, but on our website, we have a resources page that lists different websites on the traditional altars, building altars, and the whole history of Day of the Dead and so forth. So I would recommend going to our website, to our resources page, um, and looking at them. And again, what is that website? Thealtershow.org. Thealtershow.org. Altershow great, great resource for that. And any, um, we've got a, a couple of minutes left, Meg, and, and so any additional thoughts that you'd like to, to seeds to plant in, in people's minds that maybe have not ever been to the altar show or this is the first time they've heard about it? Um, 
I think if you can make it to the show, you should come. Um, it is, like I said before, it can be very emotional and sometimes hard. You look in the door of the building, it's three separate rooms, um, can feel overwhelming. Um, we have a lot of people that come and spend half an hour, do a quick go through and then come back and spend hours at the show. Um, sometimes come many days and spend hours at the different altars. Um, I think that it's a good way to feel comfortable with death and that it is a great sadness around losing someone, but such a nice way to remember them by being able to put their favorite stuff out. Well, Meg, thank you. And I'm Lori Burkhart Frank. I've been talking to Meg Hughes from The Altar Show on Embracing the Journey on KBMR. You can tune in and listen to Embracing the Journey the fourth Tuesday of each month at 6.30 p.m. Thank you to our engineer today, Ralph Henson, and to Jeff Wright for our theme music. Thank you.